0: guy who's been doing our graphics has done our graphics at our church for about eight and a half years now he's out of alabama he does them so long that to be honest with you i don't even look at the graphics most of the time i send him the idea he kind of knows what we want to do and i really didn't notice this graphic could be interpreted a lot of ways till i posted it on the facebook page and said we're doing a series called zip it then i felt the need to clarify and go back and say hey we're talking about zipping your mouth and so um You know, good thing we all have a good sense of humor here. Never a dull moment at Action Church. If you'll give me one minute, I am going to turn all these fans off because they are driving me crazy. You know it's a crazy morning when Xander messes up and starts the video wrong. Like, Xander's a mind reader. He never messes up, and so it's just going to be a good morning. It's one of those series that need to be talked about. I'm excited about this series because if there was ever a time that we needed to learn about the power of our words... It's the time that we live in today. If there was ever a time that we needed to remember what Granny used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, it's the day and time that we live in today. We are now are officially two months away from probably what will be the most divided, argumentative, non-peaceful election in our country that has ever happened. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you stand on. It doesn't matter if you lean to the right or you lean to the left, what is going to happen after the election the next day is 50% or close to 50% of the country is going to be outraged. And outrage nowadays does not happen necessarily always on the streets, though that seems to be coming more and more vogue. It happens through the keyboard. It comes through people sharing their opinions. It's funny, people who would never say some of the things that they have the testicular fortitude to say to your face get very bold behind the keyboard. And then we feel like we have to respond to everything that other people say. And what it's done is it has created divisive time in our country It's created a time where we need to get back and evaluate the power of the words that come out of our mouth. And this book right here, believe it or not, has a lot to say about the words we speak. The Bible says in Matthew 12, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It might speak it in a passive-aggressive way. It might speak it in a bold way. It might speak it in a confrontational way. It might be something that they finally comes out in anger, but the reality is the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. There's power in our words. The Bible talks about that the words that we speak have the ability to bring life, and they have the ability to bring death. They literally have the ability to lift people up, and they have the ability to tear people down. So over the next couple of weeks, for the next month, actually, we're going to be looking at a bunch of different subjects that involve the verbal things that come out of our mouth. We're going to be talking about the subject of lying. We're going to be talking about the subject of criticizing. Next week, and I'm just going to be real, real honest with you, if there was ever a message that was more relevant for the people of Action Church, I love this church, and I think this church does amazing things. But if there is ever one area this church struggles in, we're going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk about the subject of gossiping. I love you, but man, you're a gossiping group of people, nonstop little gatherings here and little gatherings there. And boy, it's funny. People get back to me and what gets back to me. I'm like, well, that's nowhere near remotely the truth. And you know, but it's funny to hear how the gossip thing. They used to call it the phone ministry in the old Baptist church. You would call one person and ask them to pray, and that person would call the next person to pray, and that person would call the next person to pray. And by the time you got to the 20th person, what you were praying about had nothing to do with what the original prayer request was for. Pray for so-and-so. um, man, he has a cold, and by the time they got to the 20th person, so-and-so had an extramarital affair and got some girl pregnant and then tried to kill her. I mean, it's just amazing what happens when we gossip. So we'll be talking about that next week. Because, man, I have heard some good gossip over the years about Action Church. My favorite, I've shared this with you many times. my favorite is, I actually had a police officer tell me one time that he heard we were a front for the biggest drug cartel in North Georgia, that we funneled everybody through the drugs here. And I said, man, if we were a front for a drug cartel, I can promise you the seats would be a whole lot more comfortable. The building would look a whole lot nicer and, uh, but, man, there is some great gossip that goes on at Action Church. We love to gossip here. We're going to be addressing that. You say, I don't like that. Well, that's all right. That's all right. You don't always got to like everything that's taught. It's not the golden crowd. You don't get to pick and choose. When I go to the golden crowd, man, who misses buffet? I'm like, I, fat boy, I miss buffets. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a kind of a quality food snob. But there's times, man, you don't really worry about quality. You just want quantity. But when I go to the Golden Crowd, basically, essentially, matter of factly, I ate two things steak, macaroni and cheese. Not even good steak, but I ate lots of it and lots of macaroni and cheese. And to feel better about myself, I go create a little salad about that big. The great thing about a buffet is all the things I don't like, I don't have to eat. But then also you go over to the dessert bar at the Golden Crowl, and they have the chocolate fountain. The chocolate fountain's amazing. I mean, I'll stick the steak under the chocolate fountain just to have chocolate-covered steak. And then again, the things I don't like, I don't eat. Unfortunately, the Word of God is not like that. And the Bible has a lot to say about gossip and it has a lot to say about today's subject. Today's subject is one of those things that sadly... And I include myself in this. It's almost second nature to us. It's one of those verbal things that we don't even have to think about. It's almost, if you will, our default mode on so many things. Today we're going to be talking about the subject of complaining. Just being negative, about every single solitary thing in life. Being negative about one thing, so God comes along and deals with the one thing, and then you complain about the way God dealt with it because God didn't deal with it the way you would deal with it because, hey, you would know better than God. Complaining. Complaining. When I think about complaining in the Bible, I don't know about you, but the very first place my mind goes back to is back into the Old Testament, the Israelites. If you'll remember, the Israelites were in captivity. They were enslaved to the Egyptians for hundreds and hundreds of years. And every day they got up and they complained about being enslaved. Seems like a valid thing to complain about. No joke. I'm not trying to minimize that. But every day they would complain about it. Then God comes along and he sends a dude named Moses. And Moses does miracle after miracle after miracle. Matter of fact, he does 10 different miracles. He he, he issues 10 different plagues that turn the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh lets the children of Israel free. He sets them free from their captivity. The thing they've been complaining about, the thing they've been praying about, the thing they've been asking God to do, he takes them out into the wilderness to begin to take them to the promised land. And and it's crazy. He gets out there. Pharaoh has a change of heart. He goes after them to bring them back into captivity. And God delivers them. He drowns all Pharaoh's army. (laughs) He feeds God's people with bread from heaven. He, he, He quenches their thirst by bringing literally water from rocks. Their clothes never run out. He provides for his people, gives them the freedom that they've craved, and what do they do? They complain. For years and years and years, they complained that they were in captivity. Now they're in freedom, but it's not the type of freedom they envisioned, and by default... They just complain. (laughs) It's almost comical to me how their mindset can become in a situation where things are so good to them, and yet they complain. It kind of reminds me of almost every single solitary time we take our kids on vacation. Kristen and I work hard, we take our kids on vacation. You think they would have a blast, they would be grateful, but they've all become so spoiled that they take it for granted. And you have half of them who don't like the beach, the other half who think it's hot, the other half who get mad because they can't be on social media, can't be on their phones. we go eat at this place, and this half gripes, and so the next night we go where this half wants, and these kids gripe. That's just what we do. We complain. We just focus on the negative. I saw a couple this week, and I think it was Universal Studios they were at, and it was funny to watch them because they had been talking about this trip for a couple of weeks. I know this couple, and I know that they're not um, the most well-off couple And so I know a trip to Universal Studios had been something they had been planning for a long time. They'd been talking about it for months on social media. They were excited about going to Universal Studios. This was kind of a bucket list item to them.
1: And they were taking
0: the pictures outside the gate at Universal Studios. It's going to be awesome. And a couple hours later, the next post was, so hot. Next post was, been waiting in line for an hour. Next post was, have to wear a mask, it's so stupid. Not once was a post about how much fun they were having and how fun the rides were and how glad they were that they got to go on this trip with their kids and make memories. Just very quickly, something that was so awesome they'd been looking forward to. Default mode went into complaining. And that's what the Israelites did. Exodus, they said to Moses, they being the Israelites, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? The desert where God was feeding them, the desert where God was quenching their thirst, the desert where God was clothing them, the desert where God was protecting them. Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Why did you do what we've been praying for God to do? (laughs) Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Complaining. God's people. God working in the midst. And they're complaining. (laughs) And then Moses comes along and drops a truth bomb on them. A lot of people will tell you, and I think they tell you this because he's Jesus, and they feel like they have to say this. They say Jesus was the greatest leader in all the Bible. And I mean, obviously, we could debate that all day. I think Jesus was the greatest man in the Bible. He was the son of God. But if you go back and study out leadership principles, in my opinion, the greatest leader in all the Bible was Moses. He dealt with all these grumbling people. He led in a great way. He set them free. That's not to diminish Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting Moses above Jesus. Jesus was the greatest teacher. He was the greatest miracle worker. He was the son of God. He he paid the ultimate sacrifice. But from what we, in our day and time, talk about leadership, there was no leader like Moses. The people are grumbling, they're complaining, and Moses just comes along and, boom, drops a truth bomb on them. He says, you're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Moses just kind of, if you will, shrugs it off. He says, listen. You can complain all day. You can grumble all day. At the end of the day, you can attack me as the leader. But I'm simply leading as God leads. So when you grumble against me, you're really grumbling against the plan of God. So grumble away. See how that works out for you. We live our lives just complaining it would be really easy for Moses, and this is what so many leaders do nowadays, is to take it personal. I have people ask me all the time, Are you mad about so-and-so? Are you upset about this? No. Oh, come on. It's okay. It's okay. This morning, Christy, it's okay to be mad. It is okay to be mad. But here's the reality. I really don't get mad about it. You can complain because here's what I've learned. I've been doing this gig. I'm 44 years old. I've been doing it since I was 21, 23 years. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you lead. Somebody's not going to like it and they're going to complain. And if you're going to allow complainers to bother you, then get out of leadership I think I posted it this week, uh, this week. Nick Saban said, um, if you want everyone to like you, go sell ice cream. Can I tell you that Nick Saban's wrong? Christine and I went Friday night to an ice cream shop, brand new in downtown Canton. I bet they had 15 to 20 different flavors of ice cream. And I listened to the person next to me crying to their wife, because they didn't have his favorite flavor. So you can't even sell ice cream nowadays and make everybody happy. Moses says, man, you're not complaining against me. You're complaining against the Lord. Imagine that if every time we went to complain about something that is happening in our life, and oh, BTW, the things that happen in your life happen in your life because the Lord allows them to happen. Imagine if we realized you're not complaining about your circumstance. You're not complaining about your situation. At the end of the day, you're complaining against God. You're not complaining about the guy in traffic. You're not complaining about your boss. You're complaining about where God has you at this stage in your life. Imagine what would happen if we changed our mindset as it came to that. So what I want you to do today is I want you to personalize this. I want you to answer to yourself, you know what it is. What's the thing you complain most about? It's easy for me. I can tell you straight up what I complain the most about. Always has been. I hope one day that I can get it under control and get disciplined enough to deal with it, but I complain nonstop about my health. 44 years old, I eat like a slob. My clothes don't fit. I buy bigger sizes. I don't sleep good because of the shape I'm in. And yet I complain about it nonstop. I don't do anything about it. I'm not disciplined enough to take the initiative. That would mean I'd have to work. That's hard. But it's so easy to complain. What is it you complain the most about? Some of you are complaining because you wish you were married. Some of you are married and you're complaining because you wish you were single. You complain because money's tight, the house is too small. I actually hear people complain that the house is too big. (laughs) Your boss drives you nuts. Your schedule's crazy. The weather stinks. The Wi Fi is slow. Probably the number one thing people complain about nowadays, I see it in public, I see it everywhere, is we complain about our cell phones. 20 years ago, you didn't even have a cell phone, you had a pager. Who remembers pagers? Beepers. Young people. We used to have to wear these things called beepers. You couldn't text to a beeper. You could simply call the beeper number, and it would show that person, I guess, your phone number, if I remember correctly, and they knew to call you back. Then we got inventive and came up with certain numbers that meant certain messages. I love you. What was it? 143 apparently is I love you. I don't know. No one ever sent that to me. You know, then we got phones and we had this amazing thing called a flip phone. I should have had Xander bring his flip phone, but literally, the most technology advanced guy, technological advanced guy in our church walks around with a flip phone. Like he's an 80 year old man. And you would shorthand the text because it took. And don't you remember? Someone posted this on Facebook this week and I forgot this. It said, There's kids, there's adults young enough now. That they don't remember a text used to cost 10 cents. You remember when you got charged per text? Imagine that today. Imagine that today if you got charged per text. Now you literally have a computer in your hand. And we complain about it. That it's too slow. We just complain all the freaking time. What did you complain about? What we really need to realize is that most of the time what we're complaining about really isn't the issue. The problem isn't the weather. The problem isn't the traffic. The problem... <laughs> I lied about the weight thing. Actually, here's what I complain about the most have Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Go, ESPN, Netflix, any stream, Disney Plus. And every single night, my wife and I, there's nothing to watch. 10,000 TV shows to watch at the press of a button, and there's nothing to watch problem's not that there's nothing to watch the problem is not that you have no money the problem for so many of us when it comes to our complaining is very simply that we have taken our eyes off the goodness of god and placed our eyes on ourselves let me repeat that for those of you in the back row The problem is, we have taken our eyes off how good God is and put our eyes on ourselves. Let me enlighten you. 2020 has stumped for a lot of people. God's still good. Your worst day with God is better than your best day without God. I used to go to a church all the time, and the preacher would start every service. He'd say, God is good, and the people say all the time. he say all the time, and the people say God is good. God is good all the time. Christine and I have been unhappy with our house-selling, house-buying situation because that hasn't went the way we thought it would go. The other day we're talking, I'm a worst-case scenario person. And I said, well, what is the worst-case scenario? The worst-case scenario was we stay in a house that we actually love, in a location that we love, in a city that we love, in a home that we put our blood, sweat, and tears in remodeling over the last four years. That's the worst-case scenario? God's good. Eleven years ago, I was living in someone's basement. I had nowhere to live. I was driving a Jeep Cherokee with an automatic transmission that was so fried you had to manually shift it to get it to go. It would not go in reverse. I had to park at the back end of parking lots where I could pull through and always come out. But guess what? Even then, guess what I had? A car that drove that got me from point A to point B. I didn't have to walk. God is good. And all the time, God's good. But we complain nonstop. <laughs> this text just blew me away listening to the Israelites complain. And then I went over a couple of weeks ago and I was reading in the New Testament. and I'm always mesmerized by Paul. Paul just blows my mind. I think it's because I'm a church starter, and Paul started churches, so I've just always connected with him. And, and Paul's writing here. And if anybody had the right to complain by human standards, it would be Paul. I want to lay it out for you here for a second. Paul did whatever God told him to do. He followed God. But just like everybody, Paul had one thing that to Paul was the ultimate thing. Paul wanted to go to Rome, which at that time, Rome would be the equivalent to us of New York City. Rome was the Mecca. Rome was where culture happened. Paul knew that if he could win Rome to Jesus, he could win the world to Jesus. So Paul had this vision. The only thing he desired in life was to go to Rome and preach the gospel. He knew if he could just reach the leaders of Rome, he could reach the world. But God never sent him to Rome to preach the gospel the way Paul envisioned it. Paul ended up in Rome. He ended up arrested for preaching the gospel. He ended up in prison In Rome, think about this. Your vision is to go preach the gospel in the Mecca. Instead, you're in prison, locked up 24 hours a day. Every day, 24 hours a day, you're literally chained, not to a wall. You're chained to a prison guard. Not how Paul envisioned things. I got to be honest with you. If I'm put in this place, I'm probably going to be a little bit frustrated with God. Anybody ever argued with God? I've argued with God many, many times. He's a big God. He can handle it. I'd probably be arguing with God. God, I loved you. I served you. I walked away from everything. All I asked you was to come here and preach the gospel. Not only did you not send me here to preach the gospel, you have sent me here and now I'm in prison. I'm locked up. My nature, I got to be honest with you, I wish I could say I was Paul. My nature would be probably to complain a little bit. God, I've been faithful. I, I, I'd be that person, to start telling God all the things I've done like that's going to impress God. I've been faithful, God. I preached the gospel, God. I lost my family for you, God. God, I've been persecuted for you. All I wanted to do was come and preach the gospel to make you famous. And now I'm in prison. And if I was Paul, I'd be like, "Hey, I've been in a shipwreck. I've been snake bitten. Man, I'd be Man, Paul had the list of things that he had done to be faithful to God. If anybody had a reason to complain, God I've given my life to serving you. God, do you know what I could do if I could preach you in this city? Why am I a prisoner here? The floors hard, the food's bad. God, I'm I'm chained up to a nasty soldier. (laughs) But instead of complaining, look what Paul does. Philippians 2. While he's in prison in Rome, he's rioting. While he's chained up to a guard, he's rioting to the church at Philippi. Hey, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation then then you will shine among them like stars in the sky it's a high standard paul laid out there he said whatever you're doing whether it's an action whether it's a deed whatever you're doing whatever you are every deed every word he said just do it without grumbling do it without complaining Man, there's so many spiritual reasons why we shouldn't complain. The Bible talks so much about our attitude. But I want to spend just a minute and give you a practical reason on why we shouldn't complain. There's a doctor named Dr. Travis Bradbury. He wrote a book I was reading about this week. It's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. This man has done in-depth studies on the subject of complaining. And what he says that is he says is that repeated complaining hardwires the brain. For guess what? More complaining. So what he basically says is, the more you complain, the more your brain gets triggered or gets taught or gets shaped to complain. Have you ever been around somebody who complains about everything? I have a family member that I'm around sometimes. And I love this family member. And this family member loves me. But this family member literally complains about every single thing in the world. It's too hot, it's too cold, it's too blue, it's too red. The food's too spicy, it's not spicy enough. Complains, 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 complains. Complains about where they live, then comes here and complains that this place isn't where they live. It's complaining. They've hardwired their brain to complain. It's just called, we call it a negative mindset. He says what you've done is, is you've hardwired your brain to complain. It becomes your first instinct. It becomes the immediate reaction. And then he says this, there's nothing more contagious, with all due respect to COVID, then complaining. You ever been in a room and one person starts complaining? It sucks the air out of the room. Ben got thrown some curveballs. They had no idea what I was teaching. Guess how the morning started? Complaining. I get it. Frustrated. I understand. One gets frustrated, another. But then guess what happened? A shift began to happen. And instead of complaining, it became a mindset. We can do this. Let's get through this. And guess what happened? They got through it. It was amazing, huh? The mind shift changed. But one person complaining can literally drain the energy of everything. It happens at church all the time. I watch it come in the door. One of you invite one of your friends to this church, and they've heard things. And they come through the door, and you can see the look on their face. They've decided before they ever take a seat, they're not going to enjoy the service. They're not going to enjoy the music. They're not going to enjoy the preaching. They're not going to enjoy the coffee. They have convinced themselves with their negativity and complaining that they're going to get nothing out of it. And so guess what happens? They get nothing out of it. They've already pre-wired their brain not to like what is going to happen. And let me tell you something. You can always find something to complain about. Always. But when you feed that, it creates a monster. So many times we start complaining before we ever experience something to even complain about. My wife will tell you that I am the king of this. My wife wants to do something that I'm not down with. I don't know about you. It would be better for me to say I'm not interested in doing that. But instead, what I do, because I want to make my wife happy, sure, let's do that. Then I suck every last ounce of joy out of it because before it ever happens... I complain the whole time. You know what's going to happen today? So-and-so is going to say this, and this is going to set me off. And so-and-so is going to do this, and I'm going to get irritated. And so-and-so, this is going to happen, and I just don't enjoy that kind of stuff. And I get myself so worked up before we ever go do what it is we were supposed to do that there's no way for me to have a good time because I've hardwired my brain to have a miserable time, and now I've sucked it out of her, and now she has a miserable time. Negativity and complaining is contagious. And every one of you here know exactly what I'm talking about. We start complaining before we ever experience something to complain about. And that was the problem with the Israelites. They were negative when they were in captivity. They were negative when they were free because their negative mindset trained them to be even more negative. Negative. Oh, you just know them. They're just negative. No, they train themselves to be negative. Because negativity and complaining is so contrary to what God wants for our lives. I I don't know about you. This is an area that I have really tried to work on. If there's ever an area I've tried to work on, it's this area. I don't want to go through life negative, I don't want to go through life complaining. I don't want to go through life experiencing things that, that 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 there was so much awesome that happened, but instead I focus on the one thing that went wrong the whole night. And I complain about that one thing all night. What a miserable way to live. I want to train my mind to find that which is good. That which was pri- that which was was, um, that went right in that situation, that which was pleasant, that which was helpful, that which was hopeful, instead of always focusing on what's negative. Always, it kills me. I'll put on these big events, and someone will message us with a complaint. And man, You put on a huge event that goes on for 8 to 10 hours. There's going to be things people don't like. I understand that. I accept that. I understand that. But sometimes the things, hey, great day. Loved this and loved that and loved this and loved this and loved. It was so awesome. It was so incredible. Literally, I got a message like this after my last festival. But I won't ever be back. You want to know why they said they ever be back? Here's why. Out of 72 vendors, the candle vendor they went to was not accepting cash. Oh. I have nothing to do with how that candle vendor accepts cash or doesn't accept cash. But you allow, you listed 20 things you loved. But you're never going to come back because a candle maker? No, I'm sure they're great candles, but because a candle maker didn't accept cash? You're lost. What a miserable way to live. We've got to unpack some things today if we're going to change our mindset when it comes to complaining and negativity. The first thing we got to do is if you can change your circumstances, do something about it. If you can change your circumstances, do something about it. If there's negative circumstances in your life, something that's just not right, something that you wish you could change, and you can change it, Change it. Put the steps in to change it. You don't have to go through life pretending like everything's okay. It's okay for some things not to be okay. And the things you can change, change. For example, guess what I can do with my health? I can change it. You know what I had a revelation of yesterday? My little brat 13-year-old daughter knows that I'm trying to lose weight, knows that I'm trying to eat healthy, and she has the nerve to bring in a bag of Krispy Kreme pumpkin spice glazed curdlers into the house. You're gonna think I'm lying, but I'm telling you, God is my witness. They left the house, and that bag of Krispy Kreme donuts started calling my name literally audibly. I ain't going to lie to you. I walked up in that kitchen. I said, what's up? The whole bag's full. No one will know if you eat just one of me. I unwrapped the bag. I stuck my nose in the bag. And I sucked it in. And this calmness came over my body as the pumpkin spice glaze permeated into my blood. And it said, eat me. No. And this is what this bag of donuts told me. We were created for you to eat. I took the bag, I wrapped it up. Chunked it. Literally, I'm home alone. I just threw it across the house. Went and got in the shower. Whole time I'm thinking about that bag of donuts. I'm feeling bad. Maybe I hurt the donut. Maybe I broke one. And then I had this thought. This is a pivotal moment for me in what I want to accomplish over the next 75 days. I can go in there and give in and eat one of these God-blessed manna-from-heaven donuts. Or I can say, no, I'm not going to eat it and change my circumstance. And I'm proud to say I didn't eat the donut. Now, I thought about it all night. I dreamed about that. That donut took me on a date last night. Like, it, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. <laughs> we're not going to go through life and pretend like everything's okay. But when things are not okay, instead of complaining about those things that we can change, we're going to change them. We're going to take the steps that are necessary to change them. I love the story in the Old Testament, Nehemiah. You know that's one of my favorite stories in the Old, in the Old Testament. Um, Nehemiah, he heard about the wall of Jerusalem being torn down. It broke his heart. So many other people had heard about it. So many other people were complaining about the wall being torn down. Nehemiah stepped back and said, wait a minute. I can do something about this. Me complaining about my homeland being torn down is going to do nothing. I'm going to do something about it. So here's the deal. You need to ask yourself, when it comes to what you're complaining about, is there something you can do to change the circumstance? Don't just gripe about it on social media. Get out with your life and make a change. There's some things you can make changes in. So if you're complaining about something and it's something you can change, ah, change it. Check this out, though. If you can't change your circumstance, change your perspective. If you can't change your circumstance, there's some things you cannot change. My house situation, I cannot change it has nothing to do with anybody. It's not the realtor's fault. It's not the seller's fault. It's not the buyer's fault. It's not the bank's fault. It just hasn't went the way we wanted it to go. It just is what it is. My wife hates that statement. But sometimes things just are what they are. So I can't put in the first step. I can't change it. And let me tell you something, I have done everything in my physical power to change it. Everything. But I can't. The only thing I can change in that situation is I can change my perspective in that situation. Man, I can change my perspective in that situation. Remember Paul? Paul wanted to go to Rome. I'm trying to tie this back together. Paul wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to preach the gospel. Paul ended up in prison. Guess what? There's nothing Paul could do to change that. He could not change the situation, so he couldn't do the first step. But he could change his perspective on why he was in oh, this is good. This is going to be one of those things i got to tie together. I don't know if it's going to make sense. I really wanted some time next door to to pray over and really get into it this morning, and the devil knew that, so I had to be out here a little bit longer, and I don't know that I'm going to make this make sense, but this is good. This is good stuff. He changed his perspective. Back to Philippians. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, for years, I saw that. Will you go back a verse, Xander, please? Um, yeah. For years, I saw being poured out like a drink offering, and I thought that meant martyr that, that, that Paul knew I'm eventually going to give my life for the cause of Christ, and I'm okay with that. that that's, what I, that's what I thought it meant. But that's not what it meant. That that word is poured out, is is the Greek word spindo. It literally means to be poured out onto something. It means to spend it all on something. It's a powerful word. And you have to understand, they would have understood what was going on here because what the priests would have done in this time is they would have sacrificed, remember they would sacrifice animals as, as forgiveness of sins, but then after they were sacrificing, they would come along and they would pour out a drink offering on top of that. It would be the most expensive liquid they had. Many times it would be um, wine. It might be honey. Honey was very hard to get during that time. So what was happening? You got this animal. It's burning. It's on fire. It's hot. You would pour the drink, the liquid on it, and it would sizzle and send up this aroma to heaven. Paul said, I'm in prison, and I'm I'm being poured out to God. I'm being poured out. Like a drink offering. I don't want to get too deep with you, but this verb right here, it's a passive present tense verb, meaning it's happening right now. He's saying, right now, I'm being poured out. He's not talking about his death. He's talking about his life every single day. He's saying, I'm offering my body. He changed his perspective. Paul's prayer... Was to go to Rome and preach the gospel. God sent him to Rome as a prisoner, chained to prison guards. Don't miss this. Prison guards were some of the most influential people in culture. Eight hours a day, he had a prison guard done to him. When that eight hours up, another one came on, and another one. Came. So three different guards every single day are chained to Paul, and Paul says, "I'm in Rome." And I get to preach the gospel to a captive audience. Eight hours a day, this soldier has to listen to me preach Jesus. And when he leaves, the next one comes along, and he has to listen to me preach Jesus. And he can't walk away, and he can't not decide to come while I'm preaching. He's stuck right next to me. He said, I've just decided I'm going to change my perspective. I wanted to go to Rome. God sent me to Rome. And I get to preach 24 hours a day to some of the most influential people and win them to Jesus so they go back out into their community and win people to Jesus. He changed his perspective. In his mind, he thought he had to go to Rome and preach in front of thousands of people and God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to put you in prison where you can begin to build a relationship with these influencers. Where they can see you're the real deal. And you're going to be able to point them to Jesus non-stop. Paul wanted it where he was the center of the story. He's the one getting the accolades as he preaches. And, and Jesus said, no, I want to be the center of the story. I want these guards to see there's something different about you. That you're not the person they've heard about. That, that, that Jesus flows through you. And instead of being like a typical prisoner who's complaining and griping, man, you're just talking about the goodness of Jesus. Paul got his wish. He got to go to Rome, and he got to preach the gospel. He just had to change his perspective to realize it. Look what he says. Are you tracking with me at all? He says it right here, Philippians 1. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what has happened to him? He went to Rome as a prisoner. What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, a result of what? The fact that he went to prison. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else, everyone else where? In the palace, that I am in chains for Christ. Paul's what he "He's you think I'm the prisoner here? The guard's the prisoner. He's chained me eight hours a day while I preach Jesus. He said, It's become obvious to everyone in the prison that I'm all about Jesus, that I'm all about what Christ has done. I'm getting to preach 24 7, baby. I'm like the Waffle House. I've got a captive audience. He'd have never seen that had he not changed his perspective. Good. Googly goo, man, listen. That's deep. Paul's chained to a soldier 24 hours a day. He could have complained, but he changed his perspective. Here's my question, what are you chained to? Some of you are you in a bad marriage. That's horrible. I hate it for you. But maybe God has you in that marriage. So, your spouse can see the life and the transformation that Christ is making in your life, and eventually one day it will win them to Christ. Maybe you're in a job that you despise and you can't stand, but guess what that job does? It pays your bills. And God's got you there to advance the gospel. I'm in a situation, I work for myself, but I'm in a situation that I'm at the mercy of other people and what I do more than ever in my job. It's real easy for me to get real irritated because I'm kind of a control freak. I know you find that surprising. And I don't like to be told what to do. But I've realized I'm around some very influential people suddenly that for the first time ever had the financial means to change this community. And I've been in the position where I have their ear So I can complain and get upset about it, or I can say, man, God may put me in this situation. They were talking the other day. They said, We'd like to do something for the community for Thanksgiving. You know anybody that does anything for Thanksgiving? They smile from ear to ear. I said, yeah, sure do. We'd like to do something for the community at Christmas. Gary, you know anybody in town that does stuff for Christmas? I said, "Uh uh-huh, sure do. Then I'm in a meeting one day, and they, they bought the old mill over here. And they made a comment. They said, man, when we bought this place, there was homeless people all around. And they said, obviously, they're not around anymore. And they said, man, there ought to be something in this community. Said, Gary, who in this community does anything for the homeless? I said, well, I mean, I know this group that does it. I said, but, I said, but man, it's always a struggle financially for them when they do it. Oh, well, who is it? We can help in that area. change my perspective is it possible i'm not saying it is but is it possible god put me in that situation because god funds the vision through who god chooses to fund the vision through i could come home every day and complain and gripe and make no mistake about it i have say amen christine or i can change my perspective paul changes perspective about what he was chained to, he could have looked at those people and said, I want to be on the streets preaching the gospel. Instead, I'm, pri- I'm chained to a prison guard. Instead, he said, Man, I'm chained to a prison guard. He can't go nowhere. Have you ever heard of Jesus? I'm not really. In the, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Okay, what did he do for you? you know, Suddenly, that guard's hearts begin to soften. And Paul said, Put that last verse back up, Xander. What has happened? Is actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, every one of them knew why Paul was there. That would have never happened had he not changed his perspective. You can be middle. Oh, don't miss this. If you don't hear anything else, you can be miserable in your circumstance, or you can change the way you look at your circumstance. You know, I've had to look at my home. If God sells it, God sells it. If God doesn't sell it, I'm sitting on a piece of property that realistically in the next five years is probably going to double in price. That's in a location that at this particular time of my life is in the middle of the town that God called me to. That gives my children a roof over their head that actually our kids love. That every time I walk in to see something, I'm like, man, we did that to this house and we did that to this house. Now, I hope it sells. I hope that's God's will for it. But I've had to change my perspective on it because it has been really for me to get angry with God about it. But here's what I know. We have a vision for our life and what we want for our life. We feel like it is 100% of God. It's not wavered. But sometimes God's timing is not our timing. Here's what I know. If it happens three years from now, it will be bigger and better than anything we could have ever imagined it being. I had that, what I like to call that microwave faith. God, I want to happen now. Beep. Sometimes God's like, I need you to have some slow cooker faith. But so many of you, when the microwave don't work, you complain instead of putting it in the crock pot. I don't know why you're in the circumstance you're in right now, but here's the deal. God does. But here's what I do know about the circumstance you're in. Complaining ain't changing it. Matter of fact, it's making it worse. It's making it worse. If you can change your circumstance, change it. There's a lot of your circumstances you can change. Some of you in financial s- Mess, guess what? It might be a slow road, but you can change that. Start working steps and steps work. The things you can change, change. Some of you are dating somebody and you know they're a creep. You know they're worthless. Guess what? That's the great thing about dating. Break up with them. Lie, all men suck. No, maybe just all your choices suck. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. There's things you can change. Change them. But there's things you can't change. So what you got to do is you've got to change your perspective on those things. About 11 years ago, I started a roofing company doing insurance claims. Anybody that knows me knows I am all about doing what I love for a living. When I tell you I hated this job, with every fiber in my body. My brother-in-law does not He loves it. Different people love different things. I hated it. I hated this job so bad that when I got off work, I was miserable all night long knowing I had to get up the next morning and go. Hated it. I made a decision that in January of a certain year, I was quitting that job no matter what. In November, I landed... The biggest job I ever had, 32 building apartment complex. That put almost $70,000 profit in my pocket right before I quit. Got all called up on my bills and all stuff. And then about 30,000 of that went to start this church. Much as I hated that job, God had me in that job for a reason, because there was no other job that I could make that kind of money in that short amount of time to finance the starting of this place when we needed to start it. Gotta change your perspective. Now I look back and still hated that job, <laughs> but I'm thankful for it. You can complain, or you can change your circumstance or change your perspective. It's Truly really up to you. Getting all miserable. The band could have stayed in a bad mood all morning today. Guess what? It didn't change the fact that at 10 o'clock, you guys were going to be here, and somebody, somebody, even who' was Gary Lamb, was leading worship. Mm-hmm. Whew, that would have been rough. Or they can be like, man, this isn't what we p- anticipated today. But Man, we're all here together. We're all serving. We're all gonna make it work, and they made it work. And I gotta be honest with you. I think they made it work really well. I love that reckless love song. Someone said, "Didn't we do that song last week?" I said, "Sarah's only led worship for two weeks. We can't expect her to learn thirty songs in two weeks." Y'all might hear reckless love again next week. Good thing it's a good song. You can change your perspective. I can get all upset that Phil's sick and Phil can't be here. I love Phil May. Or I can be like, man, thank you, God, that you provide always someone else. And when Phil comes back, man, we're going to party like we've never partied before. How great to have some depth. How great to be able to build another crew that Phil can actually take off a Sunday when he wants to take off a Sunday. He hasn't been able to do that in eight years. God knows what he's doing. You can complain. You can change your circumstance or you can change your perspective. The ball's in your court. A lot to complain about right now in 2020. I get it. Zip it. Stop complaining. Start focusing on all that's good. Let's pray.